It may be after Thanksgiving, but there's still leftovers as far as news goes. We're going to break it all down here on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 90. And uh, as you can probably guess, there isn't a whole three-course meal here as far as news goes this week. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week, so really is that too surprising? I think not. And uh, we have two real news stories, arguably even uh, less than that, I would say. And uh, we're going to break it break them both down here. I'm Nick. He's Will. And I guess with that, we could just kind of get into this. It's not going to be a terribly long week, but uh, next week will be fun, though. Next week will be fun. It, you know, this week is Nick like to make a thanks to make a cheesy Thanksgiving connection in pre pre pandemic times, like when there's not like uh, when there's not like a global pandemic and ever you're having a big gathering over at your house, and it's kind of like it's before the big meal, which it, which would be the minor leagues cut, uh, announcing their their cuts and stuff like that. And but it, it's just like you know, there, there's like some chips and like cheese and crackers and uh, some set like you, you yeah, know, like the, it's, the, it's the, all the, the stuff that's floating around. Stick. Yeah, it's the stuff that's on the coffee table. Yeah, and, and like celery sticks, and everyone's like, yeah, well, I've been having this for, and but then it's out for like way too long. Yeah, and you're just like. You know, can, can we just get something new? And uh, and eventually it comes, but it does take a while. I know. Like, we, we've gotten through the first kind of appetizer course. We're just left with the stuff that was here when you showed up, and and now we're just waiting on the bird. And I think that's a pretty good, uh, I guess that'd be analogy. I think that's what the right term is. I'm not a, a little. Yeah, yeah, it's a, an analogy. You, you, do you like that one? I like that I, I one. It's a good analogy. Thought of it right on the spot. Oh, that see, that's better than my uh, cold open stuff. But it was it. I think that, it was. That, that means a lot. That means a lot coming from you, Nick. I mean, it, nor I get that a lot. So I mean, <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess we should actually get into news and whatnot. And uh, the first one is the is the smaller one. We'll go into more about that uh, MLB cuts and all that uh, in just a second here. But first, we should probably get to the the solely independent league baseball news uh, story here. Uh, and like I said, it really isn't a big one. This is like peak off season. This goes back to when we were talking about radio deals because the second half of radio deals is stadium naming rights. That's right. Ooh. We're talking about the Lake Erie Crusher Stadium that's getting renamed. It was Springer Stadium, I think it's pronounced. a uh, Springer or Springer or something along those lines. Stadium. The naming rights in the next three years, starting effective on January 1, have been, <clears throat> have been purchased by Mercy Health. Uh, so it's now Mercy Health Stadium. And that is uh, the Lake Erie Crushers. And I believe it's just due west of the uh, town or city, rather, of Cleveland. So there really isn't terribly much to make of this. Uh, it's, it's a naming rights. They're probably getting some money off of it. And good on them. Yeah, good for them. Good for them for making some money. Although the name Mercy Health Stadium doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. However, uh, it, it is not worse than the Long Island Ducks Fairfield Properties. Uh, it, what is it like Fairfield Properties Ballpark now? 
It's something along those lines. I forget it's not, the exact. It's not on that level. It's not on that level bad. But I, I will say it's it's it doesn't sound the best. Maybe maybe they can come up with some sort of nickname for it to make it intimidating for opponents. Yeah, like I, I, I heard someone's calling it the cellar because you know, like a wine cellar because their their logo's grapes. Right. Okay. So maybe that. Uh, that's that's intimidating. Exactly. Like that. That I think could work really well. Uh, but still, this is far from the worst named stadium in sports. I could think of a half a dozen off the top of my head that are much worse than that. Probably leading the charge was either the Sleep Train Arena, or oh, yes, that one's not good. The Smoothie King Center was not good. Okay, uh, I, that that that's just funny. Like it might not be great, but that's at least entertaining. I mean, I still don't think it's very good. Regardless, uh, let's see. Oh, wait, the White Sox field. Oh, I was gonna say that. Yep. Yeah, uh, was it guaranteed rate field? Yep. <laughs> like that's just not good. There's no way that works. Yeah, but Jer- Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't give a crap. He could just bring in Tony Larusa just to manage the team, even though there's two great managers on the market. You know, you act like. Who was it? Rick Renteria they had. He acted like he was nominated for AL Manager of the Year. Yeah, and then they, he just fired him because he wanted to bring his boy in there. I mean, his boy Tony La Russa, who, uh, who gets arrested for a DUI a month ago and then uh, has not managed in 10 years. But yeah, let's throw him on like a, a, a likely playoff team next year. That is a, that's a great idea, Jerry. But at least you get money from being called Guaranteed Rate Field. So n- nice work. How's that going for him, certainly? And I mean, it could be worse. I'm just sitting back going, oh, wow, the Mets are the competent team now. This is a, this is a curveball I wasn't expecting, but yeah, I'm very much I enjoying. <laughs> I think we can say we've reached the end of the Lake Erie Crushers talk. Uh, I mean, like, good on them. They have a three-year deal. They're probably going to get some money, and that's going to help them make up for some lost revenue uh, over the past year. And hopefully people will be able to attend Mercy Health Stadium to see the Crushers play uh, a slew of different Frontier League teams this year. Uh, With that much said, we now kind of go to our last real story of the week, which is the Baseball America article on the uh, affiliations and how all that's shaking out. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, of news on that front. There's a little bit that pertains to independent league ball, and there's just really updating everything we've been saying. Uh, we'll get into that right now. Uh, negotiations are just about wrapping up, and we should have the list of 120 affiliated clubs in early December. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it as early as next week, if not certainly the week after that. So we're definitely going to have some news like uh, what I was saying earlier uh, in the very near future. And I, like we said, I wouldn't even be surprised if a week from today we come on to record this show at the same time and then boom, we get the affiliated list and then we have to do another cut in and then we got to do more editing and it's a, it's a whole headache. But that's normally how things go around here. So I would expect that next week we will be talking about this cut list. Yeah, I mean, it would about time to be honest. Like it, this, this has taken, and I understand these are big decisions, and certainly not decisions you want to rush. But at the same time, you're really screwing both minor league teams and independent league teams. Please, partner who, league I mean, teams, partner yeah. league teams, please. Partner league teams, yes. Uh, and and they've they've completely missed out on Black Friday sales and. I mean, hopefully they get they get it in time for Christmas. I mean, maybe I don't know, but uh, I don't know at this point. 
However, th- this needs to, I mean, this has gone, this has dragged on far too long. And it, it, it's absurd to me that the Yankees and the Mets have announced what they're doing. And the, the, uh, Astros have, I think. Yeah. The Astros and like Rochester, we know, but we don't know everybody yet. Like, come on guys. And it, it, it's really hurting. I mean, it's not going to hurt the MLB, but it, it's going to hurt. Uh, it's going to hurt minor league teams, minor league owners, and uh, partner leagues as well. So I, th- this, the sooner this needs to get out, like ASAP. So ho- I'm glad that there, it is finally reaching a conclusion, so we can stop speculating and actually give some news and know legitimately what the possibilities are for the Atlantic League specifically. I think, and and the Frontier League as well. Yeah, exactly. It's just. At this point, obviously, we've had mixed feelings about the whole partnership. Obviously, there's benefits. There's also a lot of downsides. We've also been very skeptical about how much the Major League Baseball is going to come through and baseball staying in every market. I mean, that's that's a pretty vague statement, to be quite honest. I mean, it implies that baseball will be there in some form, but it doesn't imply for how long or what kind of help they're going to be getting and uh, obviously people that defend that are saying, well, look, you'll have something to play for now. And there's other advantages to being independent. But it's certainly not an easy thing here. And while we are certainly advocates for independent or, I guess, partnership league baseball, and you got to be a little bit detached from reality to not acknowledge that it is significantly more difficult and that there is a significant difference between attendance in what were independent leagues and then what were affiliated teams. Uh, there's, there's really no way around it. It's a lot harder when you're independent. Not to say it's worse, it's just a lot harder from a business perspective. So for the sake of everyone, like Will was saying, it, the sooner was better on this and uh, obviously a lot of teams haven't started selling on Black Friday. I've seen a handful of teams sell tickets that were really just flex tickets for unspecified dates or doing merchandise type sales. And I mean, really, let's be honest here. You know, many people are going to go in on that. There's so, there's also a lot of uncertainty still in the world as to where we're going to be in six months and right. even more uncertainty about a schedule. I mean, you will kind of want to know all of that going forward. And so what was already kind of an uphill fight is now uphill in the snow. And that's never exactly easy. So uh, it's a good thing that this is getting done sooner than later. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like you mentioned, it is really tough for these teams right now in flex books uh, i mean when you're looking at you're right like where the where the world could be uh come next spring come next spring slash summer i mean that's uncertainty um and and i think that it's hard to ask people to put uh, a lot of money into something where they're not 100 percent confident of what it is yet what level of baseball it is and so this needs to be solved now and at, at least we're starting to get some sort of answers and and I know about about the Pioneer League as well which is the real interesting thing I took from uh this this week's Baseball America art, article by JJ Cooper who in which he did report that the MLB is hopefully within the first week of December would come out with who's in who's out uh, and as far as the Pioneer League it does sound like they're going to turn in to uh to an, another partner league and to me I just, I don't know if there's another alternative 
However, it doesn't make things any better just just because you're asking these teams in like Montana and the Dakotas. I, I don't even Idaho maybe. Yeah, there's like, one in Idaho, a couple in Colorado, some in Montana. Uh, yeah, I mean which, it's brutal. I mean that's I mean that's brutal for them because now you're gonna have to try and uh, sell indie ball out. There. I mean to be honest with you, thinking about like what their market would be, you would have to think that. You're looking at like let's say let's say this becomes official and the Pioneer League becomes uh, be- becomes another partner league. You would have to think the Pioneer League essentially turns into okay. You have a twenty round draft. Whoever is not uh, whoever does not get drafted, the Frontier League takes takes the the good guy like the, uh, the like cream the of the crop guys yeah. right. They take the cream of the crop. Of those undrafted guys, and then everyone else. If you want, if you want to keep your baseball career going, then that's where the Pioneer League comes in. And I don't see how. I mean, in my opinion, it kind of just seems like the MLB is just saying, "Look, we tried our best. I, I mean, we we tried our best. We gave you baseball. We're not giving you any financial support, but we'll slap a few MLB logos on it. And if you go out of business, you go out of business." And to me, that's, that's, it's just, it's rough for these communities who are not going to have, who are not going to have the chance to see the next big star come through their towns in Idaho and Montana. And unfor- and those, and those are, those are team, those are people that aren't, that don't get to see Major League Baseball very often, if at all. And it, it's really tough for them. And I, I don't see how the Pioneer League, as it seems, as, as it seems to be the path it seems to be heading down, I don't see how that's a sustainable model for them. Yeah, and just before I go in my whole uh, thing on the Pioneer League, I do want to say that these 120 teams that will be affiliated, they're affiliated teams, but they're actually licensed teams. They're going to be get, given a license uh, to affiliate with a major league ball club and whatnot, and and all of these affiliates from AAA down to low A are going to play 120 games as well. So there's no more short season. Uh, there's just uh, a full season now. Uh, as far as, as far as the Pioneer League goes, uh, as well as they're going to be a partner league. Same thing with the Mexican League too. It looks like, which I'm not really sure how that's going to shake everything out too. Uh, but as uh, something of of note, I suppose. And uh, yeah, with the Pioneer League. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Will's saying. I mean, there there's teams that are really just kind of out there. There's two in Utah, two in Colorado, one in Idaho, three in Montana. Uh, the eight teams there, uh, to be quite honest, I look at them and I just really don't see how they can be successful. I mean, I know they were mostly either like rookie ball or low A ball. They really weren't... Uh, you know, the highest level, but they've got quality names coming through. I mean, just just go onto the right. Wikipedia page for the Pioneer League and look up some of the names that went through. Click on each team and see some of the names that went through. There's guys like Trevor Hoffman that came through there. There's guys like Jock Peterson that came through there. There's a lot of really high-name guys that all came through these various towns and whatnot. And I was kind of looking through just across attendance and looking at pictures of the ballpark and everything and as far as attendance when I kind of look back at 19 18 and 17 because I wanted to see if there was a fluke or anything across the board on any of these guys and as to just maybe you had one bad year of attendance for whatever reason and it was pretty consistent here that there's four teams in that league where I just don't see how they can realistically survive as an independent league team I really just don't see it 
uh, that would be great falls in Montana team. I saw Missoula as another team that I just don't see how it's going to last. I saw Orem, another team that was really low in attendance. Actually, they were last in attendance with less than 1,300 fans a game in a 5,000-seat stadium. And then there's also Idaho Falls, which would, would be the uh, Idaho team where, again, like I just don't see how that's going to work. And Idaho Falls there, I may more or less said I don't really see how it's going to work. They were third in attendance, certainly, in, in 2019, but they still only drew 27,000 fans, a little under 28,000 fans, in a 34,000-seat ballpark. And, I mean, I'm looking at pictures of all four of their ballparks, and only a couple of them really looked like they were kind of decent parks, to be honest. So I get why, you know, Major League Baseball's like, these are just not acceptable to use for our prospects anymore. But it certainly does seem... Like, they are leaving them out to dry. I mean, there's four teams there that realistically, I think, could survive. Uh, Billings, Ogden, Rocky Mountain, and Grand Junction all could probably survive. So you have two Colorado teams, a Utah team, and one in Montana, which I then start to question, can Montana survive if they're the lone ones all the way out there? Plus, I gotta imagine travel costs in this league, they're not gonna be cheap. I mean, they're never cheap to begin with, but at least before we saw teams that were really kind of all centrally located together. I mean, the Frontier League, when it was still the Frontier and the Can-Am, you had really three teams in Canada, three teams that were essentially in New Jersey. I mean, they were all clumped together within an hour of each other there, and same thing kind of went for Canada. They were all clumped together, and you'd make the, the long trek once, maybe twice, three times a year to exchange those games. In the Frontier League, they're more spread out, yeah, but it was never really that long of a trip there was ways you could schedule it the atlantic league has traditionally been a mid-atlantic east coast league that's just the way it's always been you've had your somerset you had your long island uh for a while you had nork in there too and you had bridgeport in there and you had camden in there you know mainly a tri-state league obviously a lot of those teams kind of filtered out and then eventually they wound up going into you know kind of southern pennsylvania and then southern maryland but by and large, it still was in that mid-Atlantic region, with the exception of Sugarland, that was out on an island on its own, which, I mean, again, you'd go out there twice a year, you'd play your 12 games while you were there, and then you flew back. Travel's going to be an issue here, and I just, there's a lot that I see going against it. Although I will say a lot of these ballparks are built with a beautiful view of the, I assume, the, the Rocky Mountains in the background. So I have to give them that. But just from an organization standpoint, when your leader in attendance is the Ogden Raptors at a little over uh, 39.50 a game in a about 8,000-seat ballpark, uh, you're still not even filling half of the ballpark on average. And that's going to be an issue even more so with independent ball. I think you could safely say you can knock about a third of what that attendance number is off. And that would be your new attendance number. And with some of those teams, you're drawing less than a thousand a game now. And that's really a scary proposition. Right. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, and, it's, and when you look at as far as the Pioneer League as like a new partner league, would you agree with my assessment as far as like what its purpose would probably be? Yeah, yeah, I think it would have to be for kind of those guys that kind of filter through. I know we do have some players that do listen. I know a lot of them uh, follow both of our uh, Instagram pages, respectively, ALPB underscore news and Indie Ball Report, um, both on Instagram. And uh, I know a lot of them, they think at least that there's going to be an opportunity for them 
or more of an opportunity. I know a lot of guys were messaging me and they, you probably got the same thing. Uh, they were concerned about this whole partnership and how that's going to affect them as in, uh, am I still going to have a job? Are there going to be more jobs available, less jobs available? I think they're going to find out that, especially in the Frontier League and any sort of new pop-up indie league, it really is just going to be rookie ball that's unaffiliated that teams don't have to pay for. And I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be happy about that. I think a lot of them that are in their like mid to late 20s are thinking, oh, good, there's going to be more jobs available. And they're going to find out this is only going to be like maybe five or six dudes above 25 on each of these teams because yeah. like i just i don't see it and it's not like a matter of them pricing themselves out or not being willing to go and live out in like montana because all these guys are more than willing to do that i mean they're not getting paid much to begin with so what the hell's the difference at that point right if you're getting paid a little bit less than the pettance that you're already getting uh really what's going to come down to is just there's younger guys these communities are used to younger guys and just to be quite honest uh, there's always a steady flow of youth and you could use that more than you could use older guys. And I'm, I am a bit concerned about that front here. I think for the three established, <clears throat> wow, my voice gave out there, uh, for the three established leagues in the Atlantic League, it's going to be business as usual for them. We already seen what their current setup looks like. We saw that in 2019. Uh, we already seen to an extent what this is going to look like with the American Association. There, that's going to be pretty much business as usual. For the Frontier League, you may get a little bit younger. There may be some slight differences, but by and large, it will still be business as usual. Everything else, uh, we don't know that yet. And any new league, I have to imagine, is going to operate kind of like the Frontier League, but more like rookie ball. Like, I just, I don't have a high expectation for this, to be quite honest. And it's sad because, I mean, a lot of these communities, they're not getting anything else. There's no expansion affiliated team that's going to be going in these ballparks. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. And it's very hard to make this work. And like I've said numerous times over and I've already said today, you're not going to find bigger advocates for independent league baseball than the people on this show. But, you have to be detached from reality to not understand that independent league baseball from a pure business perspective is much harder than it is from being affiliated. And I mean, mm -hmm. you need to look no further than Somerset and Sugarland. There's a reason they said, you know what, being affiliated would be a good thing for us. Let's make that move. And to be quite honest, I don't really blame them for doing that. It is much easier. And it is a huge blow to have them leave. And we still don't know what St. Paul's going to do. We're probably going to find that out next week. But again, I wouldn't blame them. I'm going to be sad to see them go. It's going to be a hole and it's going to be hard to replace because they're not really replaceable. You can make them up in the numbers, but never replace. And I want to blame any really independent league operator for doing that. It's just the nature of the of how things go. And I mean, I... Yeah, I, they get back to the central point of the question here. Uh, I do see them operating like a rookie ball team, but I just don't see uh, a lot of these teams having a long, sustaining future. Yeah, and I think the difficult part is for for like fans out there, it, it's hard because that's the closest to Major League Baseball. Like The Pioneer League is like the closest to Major League Baseball that a lot of them will get. 
two, at least like, I, I mean, until they were to maybe move out at some point and move out of Idaho or Montana or whatever. Uh, and that, that, that's really tough for them because that's, that's uh, the rookie ball is something that they look that they certainly look forward to every summer and looking for those top prospects that do come out there. And, and, and I do feel for them. I mean, listen, they, they they'll still have baseball there, but just that, that draw of, um, of maybe seeing the next, uh, or seeing, seeing a guy like Vlad Guerrero Jr. out there or seeing a guy like, um, see, seeing a guy like Trevor Hoffman, like you mentioned, uh, when, when he was first coming up, that, that's a real, that's a very, that, that's a real attraction to, to people who live out there. And I just don't know if that could be replicated. Uh, I don't know if that could be replicated by an indie ball franchise, not from a uh, level of play perspective, but more from like a marketing perspective. The chances of guys who play in that league making the major leagues is not as not even close to what it would be like a normal rookie ball affiliate. And I think that's that's just the hard thing for uh, for for the people who live out there. And I think that that's what the MLB and uh, I mean, listen, the the MLB executives and I mean, the people running the show living in Manhattan in the big high rise apartments in Manhattan, they wouldn't understand They they would they wouldn't understand that. I mean, I mean, uh, my, my dad grew up in upstate New York and like there, there's nothing, there's like no, nothing resembling like the, like a New York city was a good, like five hour drive. Like a major league baseball game was not really something that is that close. However, they, they don't exist now, but at the time there was uh, a team called the little falls Mets. And that was, that was like the town next door had a rookie ball affiliate that of the New York Mets. And he saw Daryl Strawberry growing up. And that was, that was a really big deal. And I think that that's something that people running the show with the MLB won't, won't really understand. And uh, they won't understand maybe for a while, but unfortunately that's, that's really the rough part with, with all this minor league contraction is you're robbing so many people of that type of, um, of that type of attraction and, and of that type of hey I saw th- I saw this guy that minor league fans have known for so long and and, that, and that's a dif- and that's a difficult pill to swallow and we I know we keep talking about oh this team maybe deserves to be uh, maybe these team this team should probably be cut if you're cutting teams this team should be added at the end of the day the, the, these are markets and re- honestly none of them deserves to be cut I've said for I've said for a long time and I've said over and over again, I have no problem completely restructuring leagues. I have no problem completely restructuring affiliates to cut down travel costs. I have no issue with that whatsoever. However, when you like when you cut affiliates and then give them this false promise of, oh, you're going to be a partner league, don't worry. It, it, it's not a sustainable model. And it's really it's really I really feel for the people um, who live in those markets. Yeah, it. It's a really tough draw to have there. I I definitely see what you're saying that, you know, for a lot of people, this is their initial experience to baseball. This is how they get into baseball. And it definitely helps when you have, you know, a Hall of Fame talent that you get to see before anybody else gets to see it. And that these kids that are going to be by and large playing in the Pioneer League, they're not going anywhere. This is going to be the highest level they get to. Maybe they make it to the Atlantic League as their highest pillar. Maybe they make it to Double A as their highest pillar, but they're not really going to go much, much more than that. And that's definitely a, an issue here. And I do wonder 
if you would have put these teams, instead of having them stay in the Pioneer League as it is, if you would have added them to an established independent league, would that have helped them more? You know, like starting your own league, even though you have the teams and you have familiarity with the brand and whatnot, obviously it's going to be different. People aren't going to be, obviously a lot of people don't follow this like we are. They're not really following along with, oh, what's the difference between affiliated, independent? What what do you mean we're not going to have prospects anymore? A lot of people are just going to show up at the ballpark and assume these are the best prospects now. And they're not going to realize that, no, you're not getting prospects anymore. You're getting uh, what's left over in the draft. That's what you have. Uh, right. So that get used to that. But I wonder if they were in, like, say, an American association to begin with, would that help them more? Because you'd have more leadership, at least at the league level and at each of the other team levels, where you could be kind of guided into this and be told, okay, this is some of the things you're going to want to do. This is where you're going to have to cut back on. This is where you're going to want to invest more into. I do wonder if having that kind of thing is going to make sense here. But one of the areas that I really don't think Major League Baseball understands is having an independent league or partnership league isn't as simple as just saying, yeah, these teams aren't affiliated anymore. You can still be in a league, just group together and operate like you will. It's not that simple. There's a lot that goes into it, and your whole marketing changes. Your whole branding changes. Your team identity changes. The way the ballpark setup changes. Everything about it changes. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, baseball is baseball. But at the end of the day, you still have to do things a lot different and on a much tighter budget than you would otherwise have if for no other reason than just you have to pay your own players now and that's a major major issue and so i'm just i do wonder if they would have had a more established league to join so that way it would maybe make it easier to brand and make that kind of clear-cut difference if that would have helped more than what this plan is yeah, I think it would have helped a little bit. I, I think if if you add if you added them to one of those established established leagues, so at least there there's a history for people to look up and say, "Hey, this guy, uh, this guy played in the American Association and made it. This guy played in the Frontier League and made it. I mean, Chris Mazza played in the Pacific Association and made it. So there's certain there, there's certain uh, there's certain certainly an attraction you could the certain attraction you could use but it does it, at the end of the day it doesn't change that it's gonna be much harder for them to operate uh it's gonna be a lot harder for them to operate as an indie ball franchise just financially speaking i mean even if the even if attendance stays the same they, they they're still they're still losing money and um and no amount of mlb logos in the ballpark is going to change that unfortunately Exactly there, and uh, I do want to do one last thing before we kind of move on to the rest of what was in that uh, Baseball America article, because there is some other things of interest there, uh, but I do want to wrap up by going, let's just kind of go through each of these uh, teams and give an honest uh, expectation for them as to how long they can actually you know, withstand not being affiliated. You know, like, let's, I don't want to give a timeline, because that's a bit grim, but I do want to kind of just get a sense of expectations. Uh, so yeah. I guess we'll start at the the top of the list and uh, we'll work our way from there. We have Billings Mustangs. They are in Montana and the Billings Mustangs were fourth in attendance out of the eight teams with 2,611 in attendance on average in their 5,000 seat stadium. 
Um, I I think they can survive for a little bit. I mean, I I think, hmm, you know, it, it's kind of tough. But I I say for Billings, I I think they'll be. I think they'll survive longer than others. I yeah. guess that's the only way I can put it. I went ahead. I did. I did this list thing. I put Billings. I did think would. I think attendance-wise, they'll last. Uh, looking at their kind of three-year outlook, they were doing fine. Their ballpark seems to be decent to good. So that obviously helps them a lot, too. There's obviously the concern if you're in Billings, Montana. So it's not really a thriving metropolis. So that's going to be a major detractor there. And if you don't have anyone else nearby, it's going to run you an awful lot in travel pretty frequently. So you're going to be running up a deficit sooner than later so i am concerned about that but i would say out of all these they're more likely to succeed than uh than others yeah yeah i would agree all right next up we have the great falls voyagers also in montana and the voyagers averaged 1388 in attendance in their 2500 seat arena that was good for seventh place in attendance out of the eight teams yeah, I I don't know if there's a lot of uh, a lot of promise there. I mean, you're talking about um, I mean, you're talking about a stadium in general that seats only 2,500. Uh, I yeah, I I don't I don't know if there's a ton of uh, a ton of hope there. I mean, I think all these teams can survive for a few years. But long term, I, I don't really view it as a vi- that viable uh, of a franchise uh, to be an indie ball franchise. That is, I agree with you there. Again, I go off with the remove a third of attendance rule and see where you're at. You remove a third of attendance here, you're going to be below a thousand on an awful lot of nights, and that's not sustainable. Next, we have which what is probably the best name in this league, if not second best. We had the Missoula Paddleheads, also in Montana, and they averaged 1,679 uh, in attendance, 3,500 stadium, sixth in the league in attendance. Um, you know, I don't. Um, I'm concerned. I, I I kind of I kind of group them similar to Great Falls in that I think they can survive for a few years, but I, I don't think that it's long term it's going to be that successful of an of an indie ball franchise in my opinion. All right, yeah, I, I can agree with that. It's a shame though because it's a good logo, a good ballpark. Yeah. It, it looks nice, but yeah, I agree with you there. I I think. Uh... I'll, I'll speed it up a little bit here. We have Idaho Falls up next. The Shuckers, the lone team in Idaho. They drew fairly well, actually. They were third best in the league, about uh, 2,800 a game. They were the ones with the smaller ballpark, though. Um, uh, there's also Grand Junction. They're at about 30, or not 30 at all. They're at 24,000 in a 7,000-seat stadium. Uh, they were in Colorado. Then we have the Ogden Raptors. Ogden was first in the league in attendance, just the shade under 4,000 a game in an 82,000-seat stadium. 
Then we had Orem that averaged about 12,000 a game in a 5,000 seat stadium, last in attendance. And then what was actually probably the best name, if not the second best name, uh, their fight with the Paddleheads for this title, the Rocky Mountain Vibes. Uh, they, this was their first year in the Pioneer League. They were the Helena Brewers, but the Helena Brewers drew terribly. And so then they moved, uh, Rocky Mountain averaged just under 4,000 a game in an 85,000 seat stadium. Good for a second in attendance in the league. So, uh, from those teams, uh, what are our thoughts on the ones that will make and not make it? So I think Ogden and Rocky Mountain could definitely make it, especially okay, with, I agree with, that. with, with Rocky Mountain still as kind of like that still that new team kind of energy uh, in that community. I think that could, that could definitely work as, as along with Ogden. I think that could, that could work as well. Um, I, I think, you know, I think Idaho Falls could potentially work as well. But I mean, we look at like the, the Orem Owls, like, yeah, yikes. Orem's done. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't really know how they, uh, are going to be able to recover based off this. However, I think uh, Ogden, Rocky Mountain, I think those could definitely be successful indie ball indie ball franchises for sure. What about Grand uh, Junction? There, they were the ones that averaged about twenty four thousand. Oh, yeah. um, it's not quite half I, their ballpark. I think I think I think that's kind of what's that? It wasn't quite half their ballpark. They were selling out. They averaged about uh, twenty four thousand in a seven thousand seat ballpark. Yeah, I think for Grand Junction, I think that's kind of something you could. I think that's a team you could potentially see go either way. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, I think that is almost kind of depends how the community reacts to being no longer affiliated, and then that's. So I, I think I think it could go either way, and. Um, that I, I, it's hard to give an answer. I, I think I'll, I'll put it as it can go either way. If the community kind of embraces an indie ball team, I think they could definitely survive that similar attendance numbers that, that they're at now. I'd agree with that. I think they're, I think being in Colorado makes me a little more at ease with that. I think you could probably get more people there, but I mean, even, even still, uh, I think at best there's five teams that can survive. Yeah, I, w- I would I would agree. So uh, with that, I think we're done talking about the Pioneer League, and we could just kind of go over the rest of what was in this article, uh, of which we saw some New York Penn League teams will join a summer collegiate circuit. Others will move up or down in accordance with their affiliation, and some of them will uh, wind up going into the independent leagues. We know one of them is probably going to be Staten Island, which... Uh, we're in the works to get someone that's a, a Stanton Island guy on to talk about that, but uh, thoughts on the New York Penn League? So I think that um, it, it really depends how many are are kept. I think we all we already know Brooklyn and Hudson Valley are staying. I think you have mm-hmm. to. I think Aberdeen probably stays as well, uh, based on based on the things that uh, I've been seeing. Uh, based on different reports, I think it's it's fair. I think Aberdeen could potentially stay. Also, I, I also want Aberdeen to to stay as an Orioles affiliate, so the Atlantic League can get Frederick. But you know, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think that that's probably the only option for those for those teams that don't get moved that get cut from the New York Penn League is to become a summer collegiate league. 
I think that's the only way the MLB can quote unquote fulfill its promise of of keeping baseball in in all those markets. Like, I mean, you look at you look at markets like Ver, the Vermont Lake Monsters who play at the University of Vermont. I mean, these certain certain teams like uh, like Mahoning Valley and uh, and markets like that. Yeah, Tri City is another one. Yeah, yeah, Tri Tri City, Auburn, even. Yeah, I think I think the only way I, I think that's pretty much going to be their only option. So out of out of um, because I don't I don't think the Atlantic League would be looking to move into any of the well Staten Island, but yeah. I guess, but and maybe maybe that's the future for a lot of those teams as well. I, I'm I'm honestly not sure, but I I think that if there's no other option for them, I think summer collegiate would be the would be the really the only option for them yeah i I think for a lot of teams it's also probably just the smartest play it keeps your costs down low and i mean you can keep some semblance of normalcy i guess but it uh it certainly is an ideal and i mean we've talked about this in the past and every opinion is still pretty much relevant in that uh it's unfortunate that they're getting cut it's the first experience for a lot of people and it's affordable for a lot of people and uh, now that's going to become summer collegiate, you're still going to kind of see these same kind of stars, I guess, come through. But it's certainly not the same, and there's a lot of differences here. And it'll be interesting to see who winds up becoming independent and who winds up going to summer collegiate. So. Right. Uh, with that, uh, the last really big bit of news was how each of these affiliates are going to shake out in the sense of how many leagues there's going to be at each level. So we found out that in AAA, there's going to be two leagues, one in the east and one in the west. AA is going to have three, one in the central U.S., one in the southern U.S., and one in the northeastern U.S. Then for high A, you're going to have a mid-Atlantic league. That's the new league they were talking about, a Midwest league, and a Northwest league. Then for low A, there's going to be three leagues, the Cal- a California league, so I assume that's the California league, a Florida League, which I assume is the Florida State League, and then a Southeast League, which I assume would wind up being like the Carolina League or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest with you, I think the structure, I mean, I, I definitely don't like the fact that leagues were cut. However, like teams were cut and, and stuff like that. However, I think the structure of the leagues themselves do make a lot of sense to try and keep teams as close to affiliates as possible. And to, so, to be honest with you, I, I I kind of like I kind of dig the 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 structure of of the leagues itself. And like I said, I have no problem moving around leagues or affiliates. So, I, I to be honest with you, I think that the structure of the leagues themselves could work. And, and I think that it, it's a pretty smart play to reduce travel as much as possible. I mean, there, there's I mean, you look at the at the past. I mean, you have a team on the Jersey Shore in Lakewood playing teams from georgia like that that doesn't make any sense so i I think triple a could make some sense but not for a for for an a ball team so i I think that it it, the structure of the leagues themselves i think it's i think it's smart for for the mlb to play it that way and i think that part of it could definitely work yeah I, i got no problem with turning this into more regionalized things i think it also helps promote rivalry and helps promote growth like that plus Maybe it makes it easier for fans to follow a player all the way through. You can say, oh, well, I saw them in AA, I saw them in AAA, and now I'm seeing them in the majors. And I think that definitely is a good thing here. And and likewise, uh, obviously, 
Arquan was teams getting cut, not realigning things. It will be interesting to see what kind of like historically relevant leagues are left after everything though, and which ones are not. Uh, but overall, I think the, the structure of everything is pretty good. And I'll be interesting this, it'll be interesting for me to see at least, uh, what the overlay of each of these leagues looks like. You know, which ones are intersecting with each other. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm really intrigued about to see how each of these new leagues, uh, shapes up. But, uh, uh, that's yeah, about all, yeah, that's about all of the, the information as far as that's concerned. And like we said in the beginning of all this, we should have an official announcement, uh, coming sometime in early December. So either next week or the week after would be a safe bet. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to some answers. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, I guess with that, uh, we really have nothing else left to discuss. And if I don't cut out that one, like, really off-the-rails tangent there, we're going to be at nearly an hour. So I guess that does give me a little bit of freedom to uh, play around with that a bit. Okay. And so, well, you know, you'll know if you hear it or not. And uh, with That's that much said, uh, I think... I'm trying to think here if there's anything else before we go to plugs and and then get out of here. Uh, I will say we teased a couple of big interviews next week. We should announce uh, at least one of them this week. Once we have that scheduled in place, we have a tentative date at the moment. And that tentative date, once it becomes a confirmed date, will be announced on our social media. So you're going to want to follow us there for the most recent one. And then once this information gets announced then the next big interview that we have planned they can get their end rolling solidify what they need to solidify and then we will have them on after that which it looks more and more like we'll either have them at the end of december or the beginning of january either way really excited about this one really excited like you guys are gonna enjoy it so much and i mean like when i planned when i wind up putting up the uh the thing where it's like now this week on the show it's going to be so and so drop any questions you want down below this one's we're actually probably gonna get inundated with questions on <laughs> that uh, that that i truly believe yes especially from like a lot of players and stuff oh yeah they're gonna be they're gonna be all on top of that that one even the one for this upcoming week as long as that uh stay solid we should have and then uh, in between those two we should have one or two other people here but uh december is a big month we should have at least two interviews we have the q a coming up so i'm going to remind you again to start submitting your q a questions uh starting next week i'm going to have the a weekly post as well as a semi-weekly post and the uh i guess in in the instagram story feature asking you to submit your questions because as of right now we only have like four or so questions which obviously does not make for a terribly long show but um yeah i do look forward to getting all your questions in here and hopefully the target number i think for a good long show will be about 20 20 questions or so i think would be pretty good so yeah uh, so we want to try and get to 20 questions we're only at four right now so we clearly have a, a ways to go so be sure to submit any questions you have in regards to independent league ball, partnership league ball, I guess kind of minor league ball regarding this. Uh, any questions you have about the show or or the social media or anything like that. So uh, that's uh, really the last bit of kind of reminders before plugs, uh, I guess, to get to. Yep, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to December. 
yeah, December's going to be a big month. So uh, with that, we can go to the plugs now. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe on wherever you're listening. Or if you'd like to subscribe elsewhere, you can do so on TuneIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher. Uh, really, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find the show. So be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to stay up to date with all of our announcements, including our interview announcements, be sure to do so by following us on social media at Indie Ball Report, on Instagram at AOPB underscore news on Instagram, and on Twitter at uh, Indie Ball Pod. Likewise, you can find all the episodes, show notes, the handful of videos we've done, and the handful of articles we've done on the website IndieBallReport.com. You can find all of that there. And be sure to stay tuned for more exciting news coming up in the world of independent league baseball and on the Indie Ball Report podcast. And so with that said, do we have anything else left to add? So um, my, I, have, I have a couple things to add today. One, uh, I would like to congratulate the NC Dinos on winning the uh, KBO championship. That I've been, I've been riding with them since the beginning. Very excited to very excited to uh, see that they have won the the Korean championship. Mm-hmm. And my other thing to add is I would like to thank the Washington football team for destroying the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Well, I think we'll all agree that the Cowboys losing is a good thing, unless you're me and you took them in your uh, in your friends pick them. In which case, then really Detroit, you couldn't come up and win that game, and really. Really, Dallas, that was the best effort you put forward. Everyone else took Washington. I thought I could pick Dallas, get a free point, and nah, nah, you go out there and you shit the bed. There's no other way to describe it. You shit the bed. You got blown out 41-16. And, you know, it just solidifies that, again, I can't pick the Cowboys. Every time I do, they lose. But yet, for some reason, I still pick them. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, if I wind up losing the group pick them that goes season long until the Super Bowl... I'm sending Jerry Jones a receipt for the beer and requesting that he pays me the $25 for the case of beer I'm going to have to buy. Right. I think that's only fair because his team would have cost me about four or five points by now, and that is certainly a difference maker. I agree. It's just terrible. Uh, I guess because we've kind of turned this whole section into uh, a kind of abridged version of the seventh inning stretch that we used to have on the show, and you'll only know about this if you've been rocking with the show since like day one. Because it wound up getting cut. We just didn't need it for filler anymore. So it just made it easier to cut. Regardless, I do have one thing here. Because now I keep a set of rants available here that stem from everything from uh, summer football to Wonka rants to uh, Ottawa team names. And for this one, to keep it fitting with the times, I have a Thanksgiving rant. I will say, I think the food on Thanksgiving is horribly overrated. It really isn't that good, and I really don't see what the thrill is about it. Turkey is the inferior form of poultry. A chicken's far better. It's moister. It is more versatile. You can do way more with it. Uh, turkey is just not an enjoyable bird. Cranberry's just a worse version of jelly. I don't really understand what its thrill is. Casserole is just leftovers you threw in a pan and then threw in the oven. I don't get that either. Mashed potatoes are as you they're not doing much there sweet potatoes just don't taste good to begin with and i again don't really see the thrill about stuffing or anything there's there's nothing i just don't understand it like 
honestly, it's a horribly overhyped holiday. And there's going to be a slew of people going, well, it's not about the food or the football or anything like that. It's about what the spirit of it is, being thankful for everything throughout the year. To which I say, you should be doing that every day anyway. You don't need a holiday to know, oh, well, I could be worse. Or I'm happy I'm not in this position. Especially after this year. You need a holiday to tell you that? <laughs> like, really? Like, I understand what's going for and everything. And I'm not going to chastise it for that. But I'm just saying it's a horribly overhyped holiday, in my opinion. I just, I don't get the thrill about it. I really just don't get it. Uh, it There's a lot of ways it could be improved. Yeah, I... See, I, I, I agree that I it's not as, as great as a lot of people make it out to be, but I don't mind it. So I don't mind eating lots of food and watching football, so I, I don't mind it. I'm just saying, the worst course of the day is the actual part with the Thanksgiving food. The best stuff comes before it. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, see, hold on. I, this really does depend, though. It depends how your Thanksgiving is actually structured. See, I have the Italian structure on this. Which is, you have an, like an anti-paste course first. That's the first one there. So you have a whole slew of things. Then you have your pasta course before that. That's the stuff I like. I like the Italian stuff. It's the Thanksgiving foods. I have no, I have no desire to go anywhere near. That's an unpopular take, but I, I, I appreciate the bold take. Like I, anyone that knows me knows that this is an opinion I've held for quite some time. And uh, I just, I, I have no desire to, for that. Like, if you gave me the choice between having any of those Thanksgiving foods or, say, having, like, uh, like a monogat, I would take the monogat every day. It wouldn't be much of a decision in my mind. Okay. I, I, I respect the bold take. Hmm. I'm not sure I agree, but I respect it. All right. So that's all I had to add there. It was originally going to be the Wonka rent, but that's getting saved for later on. I, 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 I am looking forward to hearing it. I'm going to hype up this Wonka rant, and it's going to be disappointing. But we all know that Willy Wonka should be in jail for the things he pulls in that factory. At the very least, find out the ass. But <clears throat> regardless of that, uh, with nothing else left to add and everything said, you know how we end every show, and this one's not going to be any different. Until next time, don't forget to play ball.